You are listening to the Awaken Natchitoches podcast. Awaken Church is a diverse community of authentic love and hope where you can belong as you change and change as you follow Jesus. I'm not going to lie, planning a new church is, is a challenge. It's difficult. And I was told that going in by a good friend of mine, Greg, who is a church planter, pastor, mentor now. He said it will be the hardest thing you ever do, and it will be the most rewarding thing you ever do. And that is true, man. That's my testimony. Planting Awaken Church here in Natchitoches, Louisiana has been definitely the hardest thing I've done in my career and my, or my calling as a pastor. And, um, but it's, they're so re- it's so rewarding, though. It's so wonderful to see how God moves in this context in people's lives and to see people draw closer to Jesus, become more like Jesus. It's, it's a beautiful thing for sure. But it is difficult. Um, and one of the bright spots for me, though, has been there's no sacred cows. And maybe you're familiar with what a sacred cow is. A sacred cow is those, it's one of those things, it's like, it's it's an untouchable. It's kind of lifted up. It's like on a pedestal kind of thing. And it could be, it could sometimes be a person, but it could also be things and objects. And uh, even the way we do things can become sacred cows. I pastored a church before we came to plant Awaken where the church organ was a sacred cow. Um, it had gotten to a season where the the lady who had played the organ for several years was not a, no longer physically able to play the organ. She also had lost her passion for it because she didn't really didn't really care for newer songs, and that's that's fair. But she just wasn't physically able to play. And then there was a there was a fire actually, and they they had to dismantle the organ and move it off the stage to rebuild to rebuild the whole complete stage. And then when the, then the organ had to be put back, and it was because it was just a sacred cow. And even though the organ there, there was no one to play it, and it was not even playable in the condition it was in, it was a sacred cow. It had to be there, and it caused a caused a lot caused a lot of issues to be to be honest. So think about it. What are some sacred cows people have? And in the context of church, we know there's all kinds of things, and we don't want to like throw people under the bus or anything. But also, we could have sacred cows in all areas of our lives, in our homes, in our jobs, in our with our education, all kinds of things, right? So today we're wrapping up our Exodus series on breaking old habits, and we're going to look at a very specific sacred cow. The people of Israel had been slaves to the people of Egypt for over 400 years, generations developing an entire lifestyle around being slaves. All the habits they had from generation to generation were in the context of slavery. So God sends Moses to lead the people into freedom, a mass exodus from all they had known. They were pursued by the army of Egypt, much like we can be pursued by our old habits. They trusted God, and God made a way. Then they got hungry as they journeyed, and they said, man, they just wish they could go back to slavery. Can you imagine? We wish we could go back to being slaves. But they were so hungry, that's what they said. And God provided bread called manna, and they trusted God. So by the time you get to Exodus 24, God calls Moses to a meetup on the mountain. He gives him this covenant. It's a place where you see Moses receives the Ten Commandments. And Moses explained to the people how this covenant relationship with God works. And as he explained how this works, they said, We will do everything the Lord has commanded. We will obey. That was their proclamation. We will do everything the Lord has commanded. We will obey. And that leads us to where we want to read today in Exodus 30. 
32, Exodus 32, beginning verse 1. When the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down the mountain, they gathered around Aaron. Aaron is Moses' brother, who is one of the leaders of the people. Come on, they said, make us some gods who can lead us. We don't know what's happened to this fellow Moses who brought us here from the land of Egypt. So Aaron said, take the gold from your ears, from the ears of your wives and the sons and daughters, and bring them to me. Now all the people took the gold from their ears and brought them to Aaron. Then Aaron took the gold, melted it down, and shaped it into the shape of a calf. And when the people saw it, they exclaimed, O Israel, these are the gods who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Aaron saw how excited the people were, so he built an altar in front of the calf. And then he announced, Tomorrow we will, ha- will, tomorrow will be a festival to the Lord. The people got up early the next morning to sacrifice burnt offerings and peace offerings. And after this, they celebrated with feasting and drinking, and they engaged in pagan revelry. Now, if you're not sure what pagan revelry is, it's, uh, gosh, the, the easiest way to put it is it's an, it's an orgy, basically. So they have this this huge feast and drinking and an orgy going on because they had this golden calf in front of them. So here's our big idea, and we're going to read some more of this, this story here in a minute. But our big idea is this. Old habits become idols when we don't fully trust God and His timing. Our old habits become idols when we don't fully trust God and His timing. And this can happen because change can take too long, right? I mean, there are times when change just takes too long. So when change takes too long, there's a few things that we need to do, that we must do. The first thing is this. When change takes too long, you must deal with your trust issues. You must deal with your trust issues. If there's anything that the COVID pandemic that we're in right now in 2020 has highlighted, it's our trust issues. Just take a minute and look at your social media, your Facebook or your Twitter, and you'll see, you'll see there are trust issues in our country, in our world, in the, in the church. So how do you deal with your own trust issues? What do you do to deal with trust issues? Hopefully you do something when you realize you have some trust issues. So how do we get these trust issues? Well, stress, difficulty in life, becoming uncomfortable lead us to trust issues. And trust issues between people and God actually lead back to old habits, which become idol worship. The people of Israel certainly had trust issues. They, they, you know, trust is a faith issue. They put their faith in something other than God. And anything or anyone we put faith in over God is idol worship. The question is, why do we have these trust issues with God? Well, why did the Israelites? Well, let's look at, there's, there's a few things they actually had that were, um, were idols or false gods before they even created the golden calf. Something that was an, an, an idol well before they made the golden calf was instant gratification. Now, granted, instant gratification in that day wasn't nearly as instant as it is for us. I mean, instant gratification for them was, it's been 40 days. Where, why are we waiting so long? For us, it's like, it's been 40 seconds. Why am I waiting so long, right? Here's where we see it. When the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down the mountain, they gathered around Aaron. See, the problem started when their hearts sat idle. Their hearts sat just, instead of praying diligently for God's guidance, instead of praying diligently for their leaders, they just sat idle. And, and, and instead of finding ways to encourage and serve one another, they just sat idle. And because of the nature of instant gratification, as they sat idle, they began to say, what's waiting on God? And this waiting on Moses is taking too long. You see, there are seasons when we're supposed to wait. Scripture, scripture teaches us to wait patiently on the Lord. This builds endurance. This builds character. This builds faith. 
that we're not supposed to just sit idle as we wait. How often are we more like the Israelites and fail to redeem the time for which, during which we're waiting? To redeem the time by praying for each other and serving one another and encouraging one another. Another idol that the, the Israelites had, they bowed to before they had a golden calf, was humanism. Now, humanist beliefs typically ignore or even deny the role of the supernatural. Like, I can't see it, so it's not there. So the Israelites couldn't see God. They couldn't see Moses anymore. But they could see Aaron. And they said, make us some gods that we can see. Make us some gods who can lead us. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses. Now, in the Exodus story, God delivers the people of Israel by sending Moses. But Moses proclaims God as the deliverer the entire time. But now they sought human wisdom over supernatural guidance. They sought man rule over God rule. So the people said, let's make us gods who can lead us. You know, a man-made God can't lead you anywhere. A third idol that the people bowed to that led to the creation of the golden calf is the idol of fear. Now, we don't often think of fear as an idol, but that's exactly what this is. They had been in Egypt serving as slaves for generations. The conditions were extremely harsh, but it's what they knew. And when fear becomes an idol, the bondage we know, old habits, is more attractive than the freedom we don't know. The truth is, for many folks today, fear has become a false god, one that is worshipped with complete and undying devotion. The symptoms of fear are, are easy to spot. When you're, when you're not sure that God is there or, or that he will come through, you start taking charge. Just in case God can't or just in case God won't do it, you take charge. Now, the two most common fears that keep us from truly moving on from our bad habits are fear of failure and fear of loss. Walking faithfully in obedience to God, God's word is, is what matters, not your success or your failure in the eyes of the world. And if you're struggling with fear or struggling with loss, it's, let's be reminded that you're here not to build your own kingdom, but to expand the kingdom of God. This is why we are here. So when fear is your motivator, you try to do in others what you've decided God wants instead of trusting him to do it himself. When your view of God is that he's not strong enough or that he really isn't good after all, you worship fear by moving ahead of God and his will for you. Or you just don't move at all because change is taking too long. And when change, is taking, take, when change takes too long, another thing you have to do is make sure your trajectory is right. Your trajectory. you got to make sure your trajectory is right. Think of a trajectory. Uh, it's defined like this. The path something travels moving under the action of certain forces, like a bow and arrow. You pull back. There's, there's, there's pressure. There's, there's action. There's, there's, there's aim at a target. And there's trajectory. And trajectory is the path the arrow moves in based on the action uh, uh, and the force put upon it. Now, your life has a trajectory. And... And we need to check that. You know, is our trajectory in line with, with God and His will for us? Or are we doing something else? Do we have some other action or some other force that is changing our direct, our trajectory? So what things determine or affect the trajectory of your life? It would be good to take some time and wrestle with that question. What things determine the, the trajectory of your life? And what things affect the trajectory of your life? Well, let's get back to our story and see kind of how this plays out with the people of Israel. Verse 7. The Lord told Moses, quick, go down the mountain. Your people whom, yeah, I love this, your people whom you brought from the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. 
how quickly they've turned away from the way I commanded them to live. See, God says, Moses, hey, Moses, your people who you brought out of the land of Egypt, (laughs) they have melted down gold and made a calf and they have bowed down and sacrificed to it. They are saying, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Then the Lord said, I've seen how stubborn and rebellious these people are. Now leave me alone so my fierce anger can blaze against them and I will destroy them and I will make you, Moses, into a great nation. God is saying, they basically have just shattered the covenant agreement that we that I've made with them. So I'm just going to do away with them. The whole covenant with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, I'm going to do away with the whole thing, Moses, and I'll start over with you. But Moses tried to pacify the Lord his God. O Lord, he said, why are you so angry with your own people, whom you brought from the land of Egypt with such great power and such a strong hand? So Moses turns around and says, God, don't be so angry and don't don't blame me. These aren't my people. These are your people and you're the one who brought them out of Egypt. Why let the Egyptians say their God rescued them from the, with the evil intention of slaughtering them in the mountains and wiping them from the face of the earth? Turn away from your fierce anger. Change your mind about this terrible disaster you've threatened against your people. Remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You bound yourself with an oath to them, saying, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars of heaven, and I will give them all of this land that I have promised to your descendants, and they will possess it forever. So the Lord changed his mind about the terrible disaster he had threatened to bring on his people. Then Moses turned and went down the mountain. He he held in his hand the two stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant. You get the picture of like the Ten Commandments here, right? They were inscribed on both sides, front and back. These tablets were God's work. The words on them were written by God himself. Now, when Joshua heard the boisterous noise, now Joshua was one of the top leaders, and he was up. He went up to the mountain with Moses. When Joshua heard the boisterous noise of the people shouting below them, he exclaimed to Moses, It sounds like war in the camp! But Moses replied, No, it's not the sound, the shouts of victory, nor the wailing of defeat. I hear the sound of a celebration. And when they came near the camp, Moses saw the calf and the dancing, and he burned with anger. And he threw the stone tablets on the ground, smashing them at the foot of the mountain. He took the calf they had made and burned it. Then he ground it into powder, and he threw it into the water, and he forced the people to drink it. So here's the people of God. <laughs> they had collectively said back in, in, in chapter 24 of Exodus, We will do everything the Lord has said. We will obey. Number one of these these commandments in this covenant, you shall have no other gods before me. Well, guess what? Number two, you will not bow to any graven image or any idol. Guess what? They had begun traveling the direction of God, but because they struggle with trust issues, they had changed trajectory. They were headed the wrong direction, where the final destination was not life and freedom, but death. The golden calf itself reveals this to us. Now, why a calf? Well, the narrative doesn't really say, and that's because the first hearers of this, because this was originally an oral tradition, a story that was told orally from generation to generation, and then eventually somebody wrote it down. So the first hearers and the first readers of and writers of this story didn't find it necessary because it was kind of understood. For us, we have to kind of do research and figure out why a calf? Well, the golden calf was in line with the false gods of Egypt. The two two main gods in Egypt were Apis and Hathor. And Apis is the bull. Now, Apis is, since, since they had this bull god, bulls were the most sacred animal in all of Egypt. 
And Apis was a messenger between hum- the humans and an all-powerful god. Now they didn't. I, I don't. You know, Apis wasn't the all-powerful god, but he was the most important of all the gods that would go and speak for the people. So the bull became the most sacred animal in Egypt. Hathor was the cow goddess of Egypt. Hathor was the goddess of joy and motherhood. And so we find here, like here's, here's an example of what they had, had they known their whole lives? They hadn't known the, the, the worship of Yahweh. They had known the way of the Egyptians. We find at least 10 times too, as through the story of Exodus, that the people complained against God and Moses saying, why should we, you know, why'd you bring us here? We should have just stayed in Egypt without a doubt. Today, there are many who start moving away from old habits and moving away from bondage and slavery and turn back. The trajectory, not wherever God leads, but to go back to the way it was. Don't go back to the way it was. Or as we said before, quit looking back. You're not going that way. Some researchers say that, that, that they believe the Israelites were more trying to identify with the gods of the land they were entering. They were, they were, in, they were leaving Egypt and heading into this land called Canaan. And they, you know, the Canaanite gods, two, of the, two very specific Canaanite gods were Molech and Sacketh, and they both are represented by cattle. Molech and Sacketh both mean king god. Did the people of Israel want to be so accepted by the people of this land that they, you know, they were entering here? That were they willing to embrace their false gods or a god that looked like their false gods? We do find eventually, as you follow the story through Exodus and on through what's called the Judges, they eventually say, "Give us a king to rule us like other nations have." They want to be like the other nations. Your movement should to be should be to become more like Jesus and not more like others. Your movement and my movement should be to become more like Jesus and not more like others. In First Peter two eleven, we're reminded, "I urge you, as aliens and strangers in this world, to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Don't be like the world. You're an alien and stranger in this world. Your movement should be to become more like Jesus, not more like others." When change takes too long, man, it's hard to keep that trajectory on on path. But you have to make sure your trajectory is right. And when change takes too long, keep your eyes on truth. Keep your eyes on truth. Verse 21, let's pick it up. Finally, finally, Moses turned to Aaron and demanded, What did these people do to, to make you... Uh, do to you to make you bring such terrible sin upon them? Don't get so upset, my lord, Aaron replied. Here's his brother, and he's calling him my lord. He's like, really, this, this is a serious business. You yourself know how evil these people are. They said to me, make us gods who will lead us. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses who brought us here from the land of Egypt. So I told them, whoever has gold jewelry, take it off. And when they brought it to me, I simply threw it into the fire, and out came this calf. Moses saw that Aaron had let the people get completely out of control, much to the amusement of their enemies. So he stood at the entrance to the camp and shouted, All of you who are on the Lord's side, come here and join me. And all the Levites gathered around him. Moses told them, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Each of you, take your swords and go back and forth through, back and forth from one end of the camp to the other. Kill everyone. Even your brothers, friends, and neighbors. The Levites obeyed Moses' command, and about 3,000 people died that day. Now, granted, that, that, that part of the story opens up a whole bunch of 
whole can of worms that we're not going to get into because we're focusing on how to keep your eyes on truth. When change is taking too long, keeping your eyes on the truth. Moses comes to him and he wants the truth from Aaron. Aaron, how could you do this? Aaron says, you know how these people are, right? You know, they, they, you know, they, they said, I, I told them to bring their gold. Yeah. And, and they, they brought it and I threw it in the fire. And, 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 and besides when I threw it in there, this cow just came out. <laughs> And I can just imagine Moses, like, it's not recorded, but he probably just stood there and said, what? <laughs> when you create your own God, you create your own reality. Aaron was, was only giving voice to the greater issue of the people. Instead of living a life of worship to God, they began to create their own reality. These are the gods who brought you out of Egypt. When we read this story, and we think about, man, that's ridiculous. But how often might we be guilty of doing the same? Creating our own reality. This happens when you create a God of your own making. The reality of spiritual health is that spiritual health increases when your ideas and emotions are surrendered to Jesus. Anything else that guides your ideas and emotions is a false God. Also, when you create your own God, you create your own rules. Here's the difference between Moses and Aaron in the story. Moses' heart was moving toward God and with God. And the commandments of God were understood as life giving now Aaron and the people had hearts not turned toward God so when God when God's rules say have no other gods besides me do not make it for yourself any graven image or or idol they just went ahead and created their own rules in our culture we call this just follow your heart (laughs) it's true in our culture we call this just do what's best for you those are both statements of idol worship where you create your own rules in his anger Moses throws the stone tablets down, smashing them against the rocks. That was merely symbolic, though, of of what the people had already done. They'd already smashed the covenant. The truth is, they'd already just chosen to do that and smashed the covenant of God with God to smithereens. Now, any time we allow anything to distract us and take us off the mission of Jesus, take us out of the relationship, uh, or distracting from the most important thing... uh, is this relationship with Jesus. Our hearts become idle and our worship becomes idle. And in essence, we're guilty of throwing the tablets down. And some people proclaiming, hey, we, I love Jesus. I love Jesus. Throw the tablets down all the time. Jesus makes it clear in John 14, 15. If you love me, obey my commandments. There it is. For all the ways we we make it confusing, we make it difficult. Jesus simply bottom lines it for us. If you love me, obey my commandments. And he's and he's made that very clear. He says it's very simple. Just you do here it is. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. If you love me, obey this. And if you obey this, it, it takes care of all these details. If you're loving God with your entire being, if you're loving your neighbor as yourself, that's holy life. That's holy living and you can live a holy life. And this is what it looks like. The old habits, they, they keep coming. And old habits become idols when we don't fully trust God and His timing. So that's what we want to do. We want to become people who can fully trust God and fully trust His timing. So we need to take some steps, our next steps. And the first next step, I would say, is to really help us do this. Is recognize for yourself any unhealthy habit, any unhealthy 
any unhealthy habit, anything of bad habit, or, or anything that you would that you could look at and go, maybe I've made this an idol in my life. Maybe I've maybe I've maybe I've actually made it this, made this like a false god in my life. And put it behind you and move forward. Prayerfully do this. You don't need to do it for somebody else. You need to do it for yourself. And you can do this. Recognize unhealthy habit that needs to be put behind you. Recognize anything that is potentially a false god and put it behind you. Move forward in prayer. A second step is so important. It's get accountability. Get accountability. Someone you trust to partner with and holding one another accountable to walk in the light of this new day that you're entering. Lord, we need that. We need accountability. And we thank you that you, Holy Spirit of God, are our first and foremost accountability partner. But Lord, we also need people. We also need one another. And we thank you, Lord, that's what church is. Church isn't a building or a place. It's the people. And we, the church, Lord, can, in love, in confidence, if we are putting putting into practice the great commandment (laughs) to love you and to love our neighbor, to love one another, Lord, we can begin to trust. So, Lord, maybe it just starts with one person that we would trust you, and we would trust one person to be uh, to be accountable to, to keep those old habits old, keep our, keep you know, the habits that we've been trying to break, keep them in the past, and move forward. Anything that we've set up as a false god, Lord, we would see it. We would tear it down. We would tear down the idols that we've been worshiping. And as we do this, Lord, we will let you fully and completely fill us and lead us and guide us as we say, yes, Lord, yes to your way and your guidance. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Awaken Natchitoches podcast. It's our hope that you have been encouraged by today's message. Find out more about Awaken Church at awakenla.church. Or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Awaken Church LA.